Well, I mean, I guess I guess there is such thing as first circumcision porn in the Middle East. Owned. You know, I'm just gonna go ahead and destroy my fucking browser search history. Oh wait, incognito mode. Don't. Uh, you're gonna get put on a fucking watch list. That's the idea. Um, if you're oh, into voyeurism, is being on a watch list like? <laughs> well, if you're a sub into voyeurism, then yes, being on the watch yeah. list is yeah. great. Exhibitionism, it would be okay. Yeah, do I ex do exhibitionists just try to get on all the government lists so that they're being watched all the time? <laughs> Under capitalism, we are we are the cat we are the cam girls. Oh on the my state. god! So basically, for get, an exhibitionist, free, free, 1984 is porn. Get free government subsidized yeah. fetish uh, satisfaction. <laughs> Wank material. <laughs> Nope. Yeah, I'm being watched. Oh my god, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god, FBI, are you listening? Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Just like getting on as many watches. I I bet that's like why half of the terrorists in America do what they do is just to be on a watch list. Well, I mean, if if you if you're going about the fundamental Muslim terrorists, I mean, they they do they do get off on terrorism because that's what they think that that heaven's like. It's them getting off because they don't ever get off. Okay, that what? was a shitty joke. I apologize for that one. Wow, those crickets are loud. Remember to put bass boosted crickets in. <laughs> Where the fuck is Khan? Jesus Christ, this is the longest pre-show ever. Stop edging me, Khan. Let's get this over with. Wait, where is Khan, anyways? I'm voice. back. I was just grabbing something to drink after the talk of. You mean grabbing my ball sack? Uh, that is something to drink, isn't it? I'm so, I'm sitting here like I, I fucking come up and everyone's like, oh, we're circumcision. Uh, I, I, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, I fucking need a drink. And I come back here and grab my ball sack. I want to talk about the theory These you assholes make it so goddamn hard. I swear I'm having a joke every single time I fucking talk to people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is gonna be Honestly, a great episode. My goal in life is to I put feel it my bones. Any of these as possible. All right, let's get let's get the sink up. And let's get this on the road. I'm gonna take a sip of my mixed drink. Oh man, we... <laughs> you're gonna need something stronger than just a regular mixed yeah, drink. I, I put a shit ton of rum in it, so fair enough. Or clap on zero. Clap on zero. It's yeah. clap on zero. Three, two, so one, clap. That's, all, That's what I always, always do. It's always faster to run on zero. Thank you.
<laughs> look, look. All I know is... <laughs> wait, no, I, wait, wait, hold on. But here. if it's zero Kelvin, it's the slowest... That's the slowest... Temp, it's the slowest energy value, so it's not faster to run on zero. Your what hurts? This is too science. You guys I mean, did not watch science. enough Red vs. Blue. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, probably. Right, yeah. I, have, I haven't seen... Oh, Do God, I mean, that's a, I haven't seen Red vs. Blue in forever. I mean, they turned pretty... I binged the entire series at one point, and that was it. It was just yeah. once. Uh, also, in unrelated news, Boris Johnson is dying of coronavirus. Yeah, so oh, that's fun. Yeet. Can't wait. Have we have we heard yet if Rand Paul passed coronavirus to any of the other? Well, they were all eating out of the jelly bean bowl, so probably. God. Well, I mean, so this is our. It's just it's just a big it's just a big no, no it's just a big old bowl of Buddy Bob's Those... jelly beans in the middle of the Senate floor, and they're it's all just vomit jelly beans. Everybody thinks it's all different jelly beans, so they eat, tr- keep trying to keep trying one. It's just always it's, vomit. It's, it's, oh God! Those crabs are going to be dancing for mm-hmm. so long. Wait. <laughs> mm, hell yeah. Alright, people. So, welcome to the Furry Gets Get Bread Pilled podcast. Maybe Shit Face will probably be a better answer to that one. Um, ah, and this time we're doing the intro uh, to uh, manufacturing consent. And no, we're not talking about rape. We're talking about. I was, I was just about to say, let's not do rape jokes on here. And then, right off well, the bat. I mean, bat. it's straight up not a joke, so. Just saying. Uh, I mean, it's not a joke. I'm being dead serious. Because a lot of people, when they think of consent, they're thinking specifically consent, uh, sexual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this applies also so we, to we gotta, we gotta... transactions and, you know, any other interaction with humans. What, coercion? Oh. The market is the market is rape. Uh, consent, uh, coercion, yeah. all of these things. Oh, this is going to need so many content warnings. Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, I already yeah, marked right. it all as explicit, so that's fine. All right, so manufacturing <laughs> consent is a book a that you don't, if you don't know about, it is by Noam Chomsky, and I don't want to forget the la- other dude who did it. The other guy wrote uh, more of the book. Wait, I thought it was. Wait, I thought it was just Noam Chomsky. Was it actually no, more it, than one no, person? No, Edward Edward H. S. Herman wrote a lot of it too. Yep. Oh, and yeah. um, basically, so this intro is talking about, uh, we got an updated version of on Audible. Uh, we are not sponsored by Audible, by the way. No, uh, we're sponsored by can Skillshare. Can we be? We're not sponsored by Skillshare. Jesus Christ, I fucking wish. Imagine <laughs> us making that kind of money. No, it's Red this, Shadow this thing Legends. Is sponsored by... <laughs> <Where's>... <laughs> we're doing this again. It's sponsored by the by D's Nuts. Alright, no. That's like seriously. the... Uh, you gotta step up the jokes, Gecko. You're off the pod. Come on, two 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 ball jokes been, in the moment. Been... Like, come on. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Like some of the some of the jokes I did in the pre-show were just not not the greatest either. I'm trying to get them all all the shitty ones out right now, so we can actually get some. That's good a really shit. good excuse to make the shittiest jokes possible until <laughs> someone stops you. <laughs> well, that I think so. That's I'm being the hero now, we so. need. That's so, stopping you. A little, so, to, to, to continue on uh, with the actual content, um, so yeah. Manufacturing Consent is, it was a book written in 1988, and what we're going to be discussing today is actually the updated version made 20 years afterwards. So that would be, was this 08 that they did? Yeah, 2008. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think. They don't talk about the financial crisis, and that's what I was, I, they also... 
Well, because it was just yeah, before the financial crisis. Yeah, I was assuming that they. I was assuming that it was almost written in two thousand because they were talking a lot about two thousand. They never. They didn't yeah. really mention nine eleven. It was all eyes which towards the two thousands, but this was written in the same year that uh, New York got fucked up the first time. Yeah, well, you you gotta think the the main when it comes to books, like it takes a lot. There's a lot longer publishing process. Mm. So even though it was published in two thousand eight, it was probably ready like three or four years prior. I mean, that still that still means that they weren't talking about. They talked about, I mean, Iraq and the Gulf War and what happened after that, and sort of uh, we'll get into that. But they didn't really talk about how that led into the Iraq War and like manufacturing consent with the Iraq War is like the pinnacle of like manufacturing consent. Like that is one of the biggest things that they ever did because they tie it to 9-11 and uh do all this sort of stuff even though american sentiment was against the war and no one really wanted it um the media was in lockstep and that's really this book is all about the media and it's about uh really it's about how the mainstream media lies to us yeah pretty much who knew that who who knew that infowars had fucking good takes at some point True. I mean, well, a broken clock is still common right in America a day. So, mm. mm-hmm. I'd say you're in a common etiquette college. I mean, because because Alex Jones is also correct about us trying to turn freaking frogs gay. What do you mean so, frog? Yeah, that is yeah really I, I like gay frogs. Frogs are right. Yeah. Trying. So this entire intro is basically so. The intro of this is basically sit- setting out what the book is about. It's kind of more of like a synopsis than anything because what they're doing is they're saying, hey, all of these things that happened uh, in the 1970s and 1980s, we're doing a little bit of an update. Um, we're updating some of the propaganda model, which is actually the term that Chomsky and Herman use to describe how the the media actually functions as a appendage of the state despite being private enterprises. Yeah, so basically, I mean, this is a social sciences book. If you've ever, um, there's a reason why it's called the social sciences. Basically, what you're trying to do whenever you go into, just as a, as a sort of a crash course for social sciences, usually what people are trying to do when they go into the social sciences is create a model to explain the world. And I think that the propaganda model, um, well, first things first about a model is it has to have explanatory value and, you know, it has to have parameters. And I think the propaganda model does have significant explanatory value to explain how the media and the state intertwine to create a propaganda machine. Sounds and like not necessarily an experimental protocol. Okay. Uh, and not necessarily like in a. Uh, just strictly um, conspiratorial way that a lot of people think about this. Because if you look at, like, again, Alex Jones, I think is actually an interesting point to bring up. If you look at someone like Alex Jones, a lot of his worldview is based on the fact that, all right, so the media is lying to me, but they have some big grand conspiracy behind it and there's a big evil villain. It's almost been, like, Hollywoodized because the reality is much more banal. It's just the reason why people are lying to you and why there is um, sort of this reason to manufacture consent for you know foreign wars and uh you know what is going to be on the docket when you go to the presidential debate and what is not is simply just because of personal self-interest if 
you will stand to lose money well, if you talk about new- how you're using Chinese slave children, then... It's literally a news agency is following trends. Ah, I wouldn't say it's like that. No, as no, in behavioral more, trends like, so agencies. He, he, actually, he actually explicitly states it in the intro and says, hey, you know, the reason that a lot of these a lot of these news agencies become propaganda appendages of the state is because if they don't, if they say something the state doesn't like, they lose their credentials. Yeah. They ha- they lose their access to these debates. They lose their access to the newsroom, to these press releases. They lose the access to the the magazines that the Army, Navy, uh, Air Force, and Marines put out. They lose all of this access to the DOD, all this information that the DOD puts out. They lose pretty much everything. And it's also it's also a de- it's also detailing you know how the money moves in mass media, right? Because if you because he, he states you know to start up a mass media enterprise and he starts in the eighteen twenties back when the uh, when newspapers first started flowing he? as mass as a mass media. For inflation he, he, when he did that comparison, uh, I don't believe I, so. The numbers yeah, got very so. big I think very quickly. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I think that's in um, like he he said something like what was it like sixty thousand to start up a newspaper in eighteen twenty or something like that because you had to buy all the pre- all the presses and things like that and I think that's in eighteen. I think it was like also. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because I can't imagine a printing press being worth only for inflationary purposes it's only sixty thousand dollars in 2020 money or 20 20 20 i mean that would have been a lot simpler back then also like not Mm. not able to produce as many papers per minute but also uh i'm pretty sure that would have been the uh 1820 number yeah so he probably would have just taken the raw data instead of uh crunching that number i mean that's very just you know good to know yeah, and I think it's actually a good point to bring up because a lot of the things that he is talking about are very historical context related. Um, because, and this is one of the biggest, big, biggest things in the intro and why they focused so much on what they updated. Because when this was written in, the, in 1988, a lot of the a lot of the model was still relatively new because it was it was when. Um, TV was just getting started. It was before the internet became a widespread communication. So the biggest thing that they that you would see in nineteen in the nineteen eighties when this book was written was print material, which was coming out once, twice, maybe three times a day if you're lucky. But there's also you have to realize the other factor is the fall of the Soviet Union, and they specifically kind of talk about the with the fall of the soviet union and sort of the um initiation of neo-colonial policies in the 90s like they talk about mexico and nafta and roll back neoliberalism as it is called in the sociology world um he talks a little bit about how the shift it's been shifted from uh we need we have to invade this country to defeat the soviets to the war on terror and 9-11 is huge in this respect. 9-11 really offered, like, a lot of the neocon ghouls um, what they wanted on a silver platter. I mean, they wanted to go into Iraq since Bush had been in uh, Kuwait in uh, 91. 
There was an article that George H.W. Bush, it was an op-ed in the in Times, Time magazine, about how he wanted to go into Iraq, and that's why he did the Highway of Death. But because the backlash was so severe from the Highway of Death, he did not. He decided against it. But that article was removed into in late two thousand two, and it's only really found on a couple of uh, you know internet archive websites. Well, in in kind of like kind of doing a little bit of a, a teaser for the future, he also talks about the Vietnam War and how you know a lot of a lot of the Vietnam War as in the same for the Kuwait for the war in Kuwait and the Iraq war and the war on terror and even to a larger extent the the cold war starting back in the 1920s um, a lot of this was the mass media basically pushing the narrative that the state wanted so they can continue getting the stories that make them money mm -hmm. um because a lot of these neocons, like, yeah, they, they wanted this, but they couldn't come out to the public and say, yeah, no, we want to go to Kuwait, we want to go to Iraq to steal the oil reserves and have control of the oil reserves so we have cheap oil. Well, this No, they couldn't say that because people aren't going to back that up. They're going to be like, well, what the fuck? We're not going to kill we're gonna kill kids for fucking oil. But if you tie it to 9-11, actually, um, I was listening to another podcast recently people saw through that, that had... Quickly. Mm, not yeah, really. Well, if you, if you were a protest. I don't know. I ran in some circles, I guess, but, like, a lot of people I was with saw, like, did not believe for a second that we were going in for any fucking altruistic reasons. They knew we wanted the media the did. The, me the media tried to make it, that's, again, manufacturing consent. Even now you see the media being like, well, Iraq was, uh, we tried to do stuff, but, you know, it was just the bureaucracy of the military that didn't help it. Or it was, you know, uh, it was a good idea, but we botched it. No, it was a terrible idea, and it was only meant to inflict pain and suffering. Yeah, and the idea to be fair, of... that was actually the last time I saw the individual in question question the media yeah i mean so the thing is is um iraq had no um i was listening to another podcast uh about the nisser square massacre and it is just disgusting propaganda it's hilarious because the woman that they got to do it is obviously under it's almost like a poster child for this book because the woman that they got to do it she has no um middle eastern history chops she's a business writer she writes op-eds about how line go up she's not you know some Stonks. random person and they get her to do this uh documentary on nisser square which if you don't know anything about middle eastern history she immediately starts with 9-11 which is a oh. huge problem because, like, the first two episodes were no. spent basically like, alright, these man, men that went into the military, they went because of 9-11. And it's like, 9-11 had nothing to do with Iraq. That is a huge lie. And even then, he calls out one of the biggest things in um, the intro, where he talks about the treatment of the Kurds by um, the, AK the nascent AKP in the 90s. And the treatment of the Kurds by uh, the Iraqis. And the U.S. said, look... The, the, the straight up, the straight up genocide. Yes. Of the Kurds. Well, I mean, we 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 sponsored the genocide of the Kurds in Iraq. We gave them the weapons to chemical Ali to kill uh, the uh, Kurds in and the um, I think it was some of the Shiites in the Iran Iraq War. 
So like we gave mm-hmm. the we gave a Iraq was a friend for a while. It was only when it, uh, Saddam lost the war and had to capitulate to Iran that we lost faith in him because we realized that he could he wasn't strong enough to do things for us. And that's what well that's also kind of like that's also kind of like what happened with uh, Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Like we had sponsored Al Qaeda since back in the what sixties seventies. Uh, seventy nine to eighty nine was the Afghan war. That was yeah. the Mujahideen. So so. So eighties that uh, to go up against the the Soviet incursion into the Middle East, them trying to bring their worldview into the Middle East, and then as soon as they start, as soon as there was no longer a ideological leash, uh, a, a, yeah, there was no longer an ideological ideological leash. We turned on them immediately, even though, like as you're saying, like nine eleven was had nothing to do with with Iran or Iraq, and it was all the Saudis, but we used that as a very specific reason to go after. Al Qaeda and go after all well, Al Qaeda was in Iraq. Ideolog- ideolog- they weren't in Iraq until we went in there. They guided football yeah. after we went in there, and that's the biggest thing. It's basically almost like the media trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. They say, "Oh yeah, well we have to go in there because of um, ISIS or whatever," but we were the reason why and, and kind of why ISIS was in there. And when we went in there, yeah. we only made it worse. And it's not like this This is just incompetence. Part of it's by design. It's part of it's, I don't care. As so long as Northrop Grumman makes money and line go up, I don't care. Well, not, not only that, but we also see in one of the things that Chomsky, Chomsky and Herman line out, outline in the first and second chapters, kind of another teaser, is that, you know, we, when the media is talking about the next enemy, like there is an entire blackout of what they've all, of all the praise that they've been or giving. Or what they've people. done to these people. You know, he, he specifically yeah, makes the like, uh, point of Pol Pot, which is an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Because we had supported Pol Pot for the longest time, and then as soon as it was no longer real politic, no longer viable in real politic, real politic, we just throw them under the bus yeah. i will say though i wanted to make this note from the beginning this isn't necessarily a u.s centric only policy you can still find some of this in um sort of like when he talks about you know the u.s will always there's um worthy and unworthy victims and mm-hmm. um you can see this even in like socialist countries like cuba like i was just having a conversation on twitter the other day with someone where we were talking about castro's policies in um africa uh some of them were i mean you're fighting yeah the he really plays up fighting against apartheid and saying that he's anti-imperialist but also he's doing a lot of stuff where it's in the horn of africa in somalia that are war crimes well, what's going on? oh wait there was a lot yeah. going on there well it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like the whole tanky thing where they're, they'll look at china and be like oh yeah hong kong hong kong bad china china police good because they see it as anti-imperialist yeah and the the whole thing is yo we need to even though yeah we may we may ideologically stand on the same side as these people we still need to question their motives because at the same time no one is immune to propaganda. By well, yeah, because people also... people are going to use whatever situation they have for their best interests. It's a very I, one of the things I liked about this book. It starts out with a very materialist understanding. You can definitely see sort of that uh, ideological bedrock throughout um, his Chomsky and Herman's writing. It's very mm-hmm. much 
you know, this isn't, um, this model is based off of people doing what's in their best interests to make money, which is a sound profit. I mean, anyone can understand that. Uh, if you have no morals, then it's, then you'll do whatever to make money. And if you do that, then all this tends to happen. And you can use people well, like not... useful idiots and uh, do things like that. It's not so much about being amoral. It's about having morals that don't align with placing humanity at the forefront. It's ethics without morals. I think that's a weird way to put it, but I, well, think, I'm getting, I think I see what you're getting at. Because it's, it's well, like, let's go over definitions here for a second. When I say ethics without morals, like more uh, ethical systems are going to be how you think about things and how you justify your actions. It's going to be I yes. do X, Y, and Z because of X, Y, what and Z. Morals are ethics. much. So eth ethics is like, I I think lying is wrong because you aren't supposed to hide the truth from someone. But the moral impetus morals, is lying is wrong. Yeah, the, the moral impetus will be more like a, a personal view, where it's like, I think lying is wrong because I was raised that way, versus the, the Kantian version of if everybody lies, then, you know, we can't trust anything, right? So we need to act on the moral imperative of, treat of acting as it as if everybody else was acting in the same way in the same yeah. moment yeah um so that that's an so can't Kant puts out a uh a the ethics of it whereas the morals is the individual so to have ethics without morals it would basically be like you know i personally you know i'm gonna balk against genocide but at the same time as 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 general rule but at the same time me personally if it benefits me, my morals don't state that genocide is bad. It states that genocide is bad when it happens to me. Genocide is bad when it is advantageous to... When it is not advantageous to me. Like, people... Yes, like it's, it's very real politics. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what people were talking about. He, uh, Herman and Chomsky even, even mentioned real politics uh, in, in the beginning. Which we should probably... Genocide should probably is acceptable kind of until it is what... inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we should probably dive into what it means to be real And we starting to get nitty gritty um, into the, the theory. I love it. Yeah. So the, the idea of realpolitik by Wikipedia specifically states that realpolitik is politics or diplomacy, but based primarily on consideration of given circumstances and factors, rather than explicit ideological notions or moral and ethical premises. It's the it's like an ar anarchist arguing for for uh, electoral politics because that's what's working now versus saying no we just can't vote whatsoever. Mm. Well, I think that's what we all and I think Chomsky kind of criticizes that in the sense where it's like people are like oh they're just doing that because you know we can't do anything about um, Cambodia or whatnot and it's he, like a holiday, they, the Herman Her, or I should probably say Herman and uh, Chomsky because. We gotta give you know all the all the people who worked on this project deserve uh, credit. Uh, yeah, but Chomsky's is the famous. Yeah, Chomsky's is the famous one. He's got the but, name. Yeah, Noam Chomsky is a cool name. I will say that I the best Doge meme I've ever seen includes Noam Chomsky. I might even just make that the. Uh, I genuinely <laughs> thought he was a um, comedian. Noam Chomsky, you mean Noam Chomsky? Oh yeah. Um. I thought this oh, guy was, was a saying... comedian, seriously. A dark, a really dark comedian. I thought he was funny. Who? Noam Chomsky. Be the 
No, he's a Lincoln. Oh, oh so I know. Sweet. I'm joking. I'm saying he'd be a really dark comedian if this was all. Oh. If you want to talk about Jokerfication. I know he can deliver everything in the most perfect, deadpan, informative voice. So if he was trying to tell jokes, I think he could deliver them perfectly. <laughs> like technically could, perfectly. It's all about or, the timing, man. Or in terms of actually making people laugh perfectly. I mean, it depends on the joke. Because dark, dark humor, if you tell it in in his very deadpan voice, uh, of just very matter of fact style of everything. Uh, it does kind of come together, don't it? It, it can. God, now, 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 like, now, like, now uh, I have an image of Noam Chomsky going on an image board and saying that, uh, no, 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 guys, I said, the, look, I'm just being edgy when I said the Holocaust didn't happen, all right? Okay. No, no, see, I think I think Noam Chomsky would be more like uh, a Kaufman kind of comedian, where he just he just takes the joke to the point where you only find it funny when you're looking back on it or when it's not happening to you. Or bur- uh, Burnham's yeah, right? uh, it's a- prolonged eye contact. Yeah. Yeah, Bo Burnham's a really good it's, like it's... postmodern comedian. If you want to talk about that, yeah, I I like Bo Burnham's style. Jeez. He's good. Well, I, I think arguably uh, Chomsky isn't even a postmodernist because he he's... stood diametrically opposed to Foucault, who was a postmodernist. He's Chomsky. Chomsky is best described as critical theory, a critical theorist. He's a continental theorist. Shut up. I guess sure. I mean, yeah, I, maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but um, I think one of the... So going back to my point, sort of this idea that it's just real, real politik uh, denies agency. And this is really what, what Chomsky and, and Herman are really getting onto, is the fact that a lot of what the media has sort of manufactured in this sense is denying agency. If you look at the wording of it, it's like these people died as opposed to they were murdered. Um, yeah, no, it's it's very it's very explicit use of the passive voice, which is kind of ingrained in journalist and writing theory because it it makes it seem uh, less uh, less. Violent. Which means so it's like, an explicit if you, effort if you... on the part of the journalist to emphasize deaths that are advantageous to do so with. Yes. Well, but let, let's look. Let's look for exa- for an example of uh, cop cop involved killings, mm. right? You never you never see in the news that a cop killed somebody. It's always a cop involved murder or cop involved killing. Involved shooting is usually so. The it's n- yeah, officer involved shooting. Yes, thank you. Like Philando Castile yeah. was like roast? you could say that he was murdered, which he was. He was murdered. Mm-hmm. He was straight up murdered. But the media will say cop involved shooting or like even like mass shooting or school shooting. These are murders. These are terrorist attacks. One of the biggest things I think that people well, don't know about is like, uh, for instance, that one, you know, terrorist attack at the furry convention, the the gas. Oh, God. It, it was just considered like oh, that, that it was, was considered a gas leak. That, it was considered a. Yeah, but that was a strict terrorist attack. And it wasn't until years later that people started to admit. That it was a yeah, because leak. the media didn't take it seriously because, you yeah, know, right? There's still that implicit almost homophobia where it's like, oh, these people are weird. These people are doing weird things. Therefore, they're not people. They're they're undeserving agents. This this thing just happened to them, and that is what we're getting. That. It's 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 also not even just that because one of the things that he yeah it's it's not it's not even one of those like one of the things that he mentions in the intro is that because. Because the mass media is basically an agent of the state, 
because they, they they fear losing those credentials a lot of times especially when it comes to like reportings on officer involved shootings or reportings of NSA going up against uh, going against uh, mm-hmm. uh, public rights like they basically will copy paste the press release from these police forces from the DOD from the military because they don't want to say anything or put any put any opinion into it in fear of losing yeah, those so credentials. Yeah, so they basically write up your opinion on the matter, and that's yeah. what you broadcast. Well, yes. Well, they write up the government's opinion on the matter, but they don't give agency No, the government the writes side. up... If you're a news agency... Words. If you're a news agency, your phone light is still on, you write up an opinion that the news agencies... Uh, oh, fuck. I... Well, no, what, what we're saying is that they get it from the press releases, so they're just going to, like, regurgitate what the government says. And I think one of the biggest things about that is, notice, here's another example. Notice who is a whistleblower and who is not. Ukraine. The Ukraine thing. These people were whistleblowers. What they do, they leaked, like, one document and, like, said Trump bad. The media knows that Trump sells well, so therefore, if we say Trump bad on the media, all the libs will go crazy and watch the media with all the Russiagate stuff. But what is Edward Snowden? What is, who is Chelsea Manning or Julian Assange? They're traitors to the state. They are yeah. not whistleblowers. They are traitors. They have betrayed, uh, you know, the state. Because guess what? These corporations, who's doing the monitoring for the U.S. government? Who's building the infrastructure? It's going to be people like Intel. It's going to be these, like, you know, Time Warner is going to be selling this stuff to the government. So it's in their bottom line to say, no, these people aren't whistleblowers. But if it's against Trump and, you know, a lot of these fucking chuddy-ass libs who are in charge of uh, big multinational corporations are like, I don't like Trump. Uh, it's okay. They're whistleblowers. It's the use and of so, language. It's the weaponization of language. See also yeah, the argument kind of over some the point. They. Yes, it's it's also it's also to more to the point that if you notice all of these uh, corporations that own these news, like even the local newspapers and even the local news stations, yeah. especially today, they're all owned by like three or four companies. Like the majority of uh, the majority of these news outlets are owned by these massive corp- uh, international corporations. That their line is, we need money. So every single every single thing that is being pushed out is going to be this very r- far right, far extreme capitalist ideology. Capitalist realism being pushed. Yeah, being pushed upon the populace, denying them the agency of even. Accepting the fact that, oh, well, maybe something else is possible. Look at what the coverage of Black Lives Matter. They're considered thugs, they're considered thieves, they're considered looters, and all this stuff. They are considered non-ideological. There's a meme There's from this, that time. But they even said the same. Ten where, photographers yeah. taking 20 pictures of one burning garbage can. Yes, That is there exactly we go. what the media coverage of this, pres- to a T, had been. Because it's pushing, because it pushes the the state narrative, and you can even exactly. see this if you look back, if you go back and you actually look at how people addressed the civil rights movement during the time. Mm. It was thugs. It was looters. It was the it exact Hell, v- Vietnam, where you have people like burning up Dixie Chicks albums and like 
uh, the Kent State shooting. If you look at some of the reporting on that, it's like, look, these people were being violent, or they threw a rock, so therefore they got massacred by the police. And, like, you could still see the same reporting today in Palestine, where it's like, Israeli snipers will brag about shooting the fucking legs off of children. It's like, and then people will be like, well, the Palestinians uh, started aggression because they threw a stick at some uh, Israeli armed with an M294, and he just fucking blew them up. Like, they'll take any fucking provocation well, they'll get and turn it into justification somehow. Yes, because that's their well, prerogative. You, you, that's their, that it is because in you their material best interest to do that. Materialism, baby. Because you actually see this, you see this a lot, especially if you look back. It, it's a lot easier to see these things outside of the area that you're in because you have that 2020 backwards vision. But you actually see this a lot in Vietnam. This is one of the things that they mention in the book that you know we we have this manufacturing consent of oh well all of these these South Vietnamese they are or the North Vietnamese. They're these terrible people, so we need to genocide them. And they're not going to say it's a genocide, but it's going to be a genocide. They killed, they killed men, women, and children, all because they were, they were quote-unquote, afraid that these children are going to walk up with them with grenades and kill themselves. I also just have to... I don't know... Well, I, I just have to say, like, on a personal note about Vietnam, my name is actually on the Vietnam Wall. Yep. Uh, I was named after someone who was... Uh, killed very early on in vietnam so it's kind of weird like when you vi- it it felt like i visited my own grave before you know where jeez it, it's very heavy and like looking at the obituary i went onto a website for veterans they're like oh yeah he just lived down the street from me and all of a sudden he was you know gone he was a great guy and whatnot that's and we're actually it's, seeing it's, that now with with the wars in the middle east in Iraq, yeah we're actually seeing yeah, we're, we're actually seeing multiple generations going and fighting the same war. Which, be, before the, the 1970s, the 1960s, was absolutely unthinkable. You know, wars lasted maybe max 10 years. I mean, you know, beyond, you know, the, the, the wars of history of like 100 years war. And things yeah, like that, that one was, there was very the, the Civil War, I mean, you had the Mexican-American War, and then you had like the Civil War, and then... The next thing after the Civil War was, what, Spanish-American War in the 1890s? Yeah, something like Because like war was closer to and home. Then... Sp- even the Spanish-American War, or the Mexican-American War, which was ostensibly not all that close to home, because it was mostly fought on, like, you know... Talking, well, talking about manufacturing consent, that entire war was manufacturing yeah. consent. Because they, they literally invented stereotypes about Mexicans to go over there and steal oh, and land. Don't about, well, I mean, uh, also, the, also at that time, they didn't really have... dissent, so that, you know, of course it yeah. was popular. If, it, if you didn't, you know, if you were against something at the time, you had a good chance of being lynched. So yeah, fucking yeah. with that mm-hmm. especially Especially if you, I mean, if you were black or stuff like that. And a lot of those, again, a lot of those generals in the Mexican-American War sharpened their teeth for the Civil War. That's why the Civil War was so bloody, because it was a lot of professionally trained officers fighting against each other. Um, well, because you actually, especially in especially in the modern era, you know, I'm going to say 1800s on, yeah. we see that there, right, is very, is there is very few... Well, no. Yeah. Well, the modern era is considered 1800s on from a historical standpoint. I've had many classes on this, but periodization yeah, is a whole nother thing. I could go on about like 10 billion rants about periodization, but it's fine. Anyway, anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that ever since the 1800s, there's very few decades, like entire decades, where there isn't some sort of conflict 
or or war going on in the that America is involved. Post World War Two is really what happens when we start taking over the when the British Empire becomes the Anglo American Empire, and you see all this stuff happening, and you see the OSS turn into the CIA, and you see a lot of this happen. As from a historical standpoint, as someone who's read a lot, of, I mean, I'm. Right now, I'm reading a document. Uh, I'm working with the World War II Institute at my college, so I'm reading a, a diary of an OSS officer at the Tehran Conference. If you know anything about that, they talked a little bit about post-war, and, I mean, also the U.S., Soviet Union, and Great Britain invaded Iran to keep it from falling into German hands for oil reasons. But afterwards, but I'm just sort of... Well, I mean, afterwards, sort of, uh, the U.S., after World War II, the U.S. basically took over the British Empire. I mean, even though ostensibly a lot of nations in the world today are, you know, sovereign, they aren't really. I mean, quote, 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 unquote, because the IMF exists. I mean, since the rise of neoliberalism, there's been neocolonialism. We also have so much, yeah, and we also have so much uh, um, election meddling. Yeah. Like we'll have we'll have entire we'll have entire elections be declared as falsified because a socialist won, or because the the person that America doesn't back won. Yeah, in the, it, like in the he, book specifically, they mentioned the ninety uh, six uh, Yeltsin election where he had an eight percent approval rating, but he somehow won overwhelmingly. He didn't get elected. He he. Oh yeah, Boris Yeltsin was drunk in office every single day. Like, if you know anything about Russia at that time and the brutal neoliberalization after the fall of the Soviet Union, like Boris Yeltsin, like I could do a better job than Boris Yeltsin. It's not that hard. Not even, not even to mention the the U.S.'s involvement in getting uh, Putin power. The the U.S. wanted, which we don't even hear. Putin's the bad guy now. Well, because it's because they it's convenient to have to have uh, to have uh, red the red scare all over again because it's an easy thing to fall back. And he's on, no even though we put Putin in power. And he's no longer a client. That's the thing. It's about the client relationship. It's too bad we didn't if put people a play ball. If the U.S. basically says, "All right, we will play ball with you, but if you don't let us win, we will take our ball and go home." So therefore, like what happened with the Kurds. I mean, and again, like, if you look at Venezuela, the best point I've heard about Venezuela, no one cared about poor, starving Venezuelans until Chavez came to power. Nobody cared. Like, and you'll see this invisibilization all around the world. Who who do you think, I mean, is, do you think that people in the U.S. Uh, who cry about Venezuela, do you think they're crying about the, the genocide happening in West Papua? Are they ty- crying about the Roya Goya uh, massacres? Are they crying about the... Um, fascists in india and in kashmir no they don't care because it's they, all well, a game to them know. yeah well because because a lot of these politicians a lot of these pundits and a lot of these journalists like nowadays it is a game to them like they they're so far removed from the effects of their own politics that it, it doesn't matter it, like to, to bring it to a modern era, it doesn't even matter if trump wins they only care about the bottom line. And the bottom line says Bernie needs to lose. And if Bernie loses, whether or not that means that they lose in the general to Trump, they're still looking at that bottom line because the bottom line is saying that Trump that Trump needs to win. Well, the biggest thing about that is that I think um, with this whole manufacturing consent, we're en- entering a new age of media 
the media has lost so much faith that like no one really cares about it anymore and part of that is dangerous because who is the media most vilifying it's going to be trump well if the people hate the media the enemy of my enemy is my friend they're going to go to Trump's side because he sort says of. things like, I don't like the media. But sort of. Bird actually argue against that. Chill, though, and, I mean, they see him, yeah. like, balk at literally any remotely critical question. I don't think they're going to Well, the media actually really loves Trump because he gets so many ratings. He's so good to cover. Yeah. Like, if you, if you, if you that's, really... That's why they covered him so much in the 2016 primary. Yeah. If I, if I like, if I like held the the, the CEO, well, who's the CEO of Viacom at gunpoint? Hell, I wouldn't even have to hold him at gunpoint. Just have a drink with him. He'd be like, "Oh hell yeah, I love Trump. He gives me so much money." It's not mm-hmm. that hard. It's just that yeah, they man. like being that antagonistic because the hogs will eat it up. They view us as and hogs. I'll actually, I'll actually argue against the point that the. Um, that the that the mainstream media has lost viability. It's they've only lost viability in the Republican base, and even still, the Republican base eats the fuck out of new, Fox News, which is still a mainstream media, still a rightist, still a rightist media that sends out the same shill yeah. as every other mainstream media. It's just they have the spin of oh well they're they're critical of the other mainstream media's because they're farther and right. Ironically, well, they were one of the and, first media's to be to catch all the criticism of you know the mainstream public yeah and not only that like if you if you ask any neoliberal in either either any boomer neoliberal any gen x neoliberal any pretty much any neoliberal or any neocon for that example like non non pseudo proto-fascist neocon um, the majority of them will be like, yeah, you know, I listen to CNN or MSNBC every single day, or oh, I, I, mean, I, I read the, the Times or I read the Wall Street Journal. Well, I mean, also, I mean, the Wall Street Journal. You, there's been a concerted effort to say, no, no, no. If you think the media is wrong, you're fascist, and it's like, it's deliberately undermining like, you know, definitions and stuff like that. Like, it, it, distrusting the media is not a bad thing. It doesn't make you a right winger. It doesn't make you a conspiracy nut. The reason why they're saying that is because if you distrust the media, you're not going to watch them. It is going to hurt their bottom line. If you distrust the media, you distrust us, and we are friends. Well, not only that, but we there's also a big there's also a big uh, big red flag when it comes to actual conspiracy theorists. They they're talking about oh well we need we need to stop trusting the mainstream media, but at the same time, those are the 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 conspiracy theorists are saying well jet fuel don't doesn't melt stale beams or they're, they're turning the fuck, the freaking frogs gay. Yeah, you know they're, they're taking they're taking this idea that is very valid that we don't need to trust what a capitalist structure is saying to manufacture the consent so they can make more money, and they're taking it way out way out field and saying, oh well, we need to we need to find out about the death beams out in well, the I mean, exactly, and the media eats that up because then they'll be like, look at all these crazy people. You don't if you don't trust the media, you're Alex Jones. You're crazy. You know, if you, if what, you want to be Joe Rogan, who's, uh, who, who's it's interesting though. We've Trump like found over, a surprisingly uh, good middle ground between being Alex Jones and not trusting the media, and people just don't seem to trust the media anymore. Like, this, it seems yeah, like this has actually reached a critical mass point where it, like, genuinely is starting to fucking collapse. And it's interesting. Well, when we're actually seeing, we're actually seeing this, this distrust of the media actually crystallize in the modern pandemic. 
because people are like, oh, well, we can't trust the media because we, unless we have concrete evidence of the coronavirus being an actual threat, like, for example, I don't know anybody who's infected with the I, I actually do. But, I, like, yeah. but, so, like, but other people, if it, you is, if you, it is abstracted, it is fetishized. You're correct. Yeah. If you, don't ha- if you don't have a concrete proof of this thing existing, you have no reason to wear a mask in public. You have no reason to distance yourself socially. To actually try to stay at home. You're just say, you're just saying that you're being forced to stay home and you're losing money when you have bills to pay. That's the I only thing you're seeing. Now this sounds, it seems like a perfect segue to talk about rent strikes. Yeah, rent strike. Um, honestly, so here's my praxis about rent strike for one second. They need to. You need to org. You need to. Yeah, well, you need to organize. You can't just say I'm not paying my rent and then say oh, I'm going yeah. on a rent strike. Yeah, you have to have Talk the to entire people in your building, building behind you. Yes. Well, not only that, you also need to have um, some kind of law behind you, and I'm not saying like have the police behind you, but have some kind of legal representation. Get a good lawyer. Um, yes. Have some kind of organization and as best yeah. as you can. Because like, genuinely try to own the building. Like try and pool yeah. your resources to own the building because once this whole thing is once the restrictions come up. The landlord doesn't need to evict everyone. They can just, you know, take out a few people to make an example. But if you can own the building up from under them. Yeah, so like uh, kind of bringing the tying rent strike back into manufacturing consent. One of the biggest things that we see in Chomsky and Herman's book is the 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 surgical removal of key leaders in uh, revolutionary movements. So what, what, what these landlords are going to do once the, once the restrictions are pulled up is they're going to specifically, they're going to find out who is leading, who is leading the charge and evict to them. And not all, they're not going to evict everybody. They're going to be like, Oh, well you, you know, you're fine. You're fine. You don't, you, you know, we understood you didn't have your job, but this person over here, they were working the entire time. They need to pay. And, and not one of the, one of the biggest things about that you need to have legal representation is when this is over, they will evict yes. whether or not you're like, Hey, I have, I, I, I have the money here in your, in your face because they will be like, well, you haven't been they paying need for to six make months. An example whether or not there's restrictions, they've just let a challenge to their power and authority mm-hmm. go unchecked. Yeah, they let they let the entire paradigm break down, and when people start realizing, oh, I don't actually need to pay rent, that's going to destroy the entire basis of a landlord because that's their entire that's the entire reason that they're actually able to make also, money without working is they just say i own this thing you pay me mm-hmm. to and that's the big thing it. is paradigms like authoritarian paradigms need to be rigorously upheld lest they just fucking fall apart it's almost and that's it's almost see, like the landlords own the means of production and we must seize it for the workers who are the people living inside the landlords the, Hey, con con, that sounds really fucking socialist. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm being too materialist right now. I, I I'm sorry. Uh, we need to go back. I mean, and look at the, what the media is saying. This is this is like again manufacturing consent. 
The media hasn't said oh, anything speaking, about rent strikes. Not they haven't said anything about spending rent. No, not a they haven't said anything about this. But they're talking about syllable. fucking going back to work and saying all this shit in the middle of a pandemic. They're talking about. They're fucking. They're talking about how 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 Joe Rogan said he's going to vote for oh, Trump instead of Biden. Oh, oh, oh no, Joe Rogan's doing. A, kill yourself. Yeah, you you mean you mean you mean a guy who actually voted for Trump that very that's possibly very voted good for Trump in 2016. And that's because if if more people knew about him, they would. Fucking. They, literally, they could have spread overnight, like a fucking wildfire what, had well, they been what, reported. At all. Well, one. Well, there's been no oh, reporting definitely. on like the, um, you know, the wildcat strikes. And also, even then, after Suleimani was killed, uh, this is another great one. Oh after God. Suleimani was the, killed, the, the, the whole... before Suleimani was killed, there has been no coverage. Uh, all these media people were like, we need to go in there and save the Iranian people. There was no coverage of the trade union strikes. There was no coverage of the LGBT strikes, and there was no coverage of suppression of protests of the Iranian people. And then afterwards, when the Iranian people started protesting the fact that their government covered up the or tried to cover up the shooting down of passenger planes which is a very traumatic experience considering that in 77 the same thing happened with an American destroyer. Oh, I remember. That. They tried to... The, the media didn't cover that because it wasn't advantageous because of, uh, uh, fucking Lockheed Martin wouldn't make $10 trillion selling weapons to kill 10-year-olds. And mind you, you also notice that how the media hasn't been mentioning anything about any of the wildcat strikes happening in the u.s currently there's been a wildcat strike like, we're we seeing standard solidarity with the workers any at publication GM. other than fucking reddit mm. we are seeing we are seeing why we are seeing wildcat strikes in amazon that's why like if you if you shop in amazon if, have you noticed how people are saying oh it's going to how the amazon's been saying it's going to take two months to get your stuff out it's because the amazon the people working in amazon are Fucking striking. That we have, the opening of we have people. Actually. That really, wow. Yeah, they're striking. Yeah, that, yeah, none they're of striking. that is in the and news. That, that, and all. one of the biggest no. things I think and, also and, and, is that the media. I think you also have to look at what the. I think the biggest thing is just what the media omits. When we look at things like Black Lives Matter, when we look at things like um, Wall Street, or like um, not uh, what was it? Not March on Wall Street. The. Uh, Occupy Wall Street, yes, there we go. When you look at things like that, how did how the they, media... How, how they were trying... How did the media... How they're trying to portray everybody as disorganized. Not only that, but uh, Antifa and... as violent and you can't be violent and stuff like that. Well, what are you talking about? Like, the U.S. Are... has always had violent movements. The U.S., the first bombing raid the U.S. ever did was at Blair Mountain against striking coal miners. There were wars in the middle of Tennessee in Harlem County for, like... Rent strikers. People were saying, "Oh yeah, we machine guns are necessary to run a coal mine." This has been going on for so long, and it's history. It's that's been erased. These people have been erased because because it, it suits their profits. And if you think that I was actually doing a report one of, right now about Native American rights, and I found out under uh, I was researching this fucking billionaire who was a coal tycoon. Oh no! And I was. Oh, yeah, I, I was researching it, and it, turned, it, and it turns out, you know, after um, 10 billion articles about how he's a great dude, donated so much money to universities, and uh, after he died, uh, it was tragic because his daughter died with him on a helicopter crash. 
lo and behold, turns out he was hiring Pinkertons to go um, harass, like literal Pinkertons. Like, like the, he uh, he got a security company called Bulletproof Securities. This is Chris Klein, by the way. Um, Bulletproof Securities to come in with like AR-15. Well, not even AR-15s. These were like actual like scars and shit. To come in and um, patrol hiking trails to stop um, Ojibwe tribesmen from opposing a an iron mine that would destroy their reservation. And, like, it's modern-day Pinkertons, and no one talks about it. I only found, like, a couple of small articles with a couple of, you know, pictures from, like, tiny little news things in Madison, Wisconsin. No one talks about it. Nobody's also talking... Nobody's all... Nobody's also talking about how France is still protesting in mass in general strike. Nobody's talking about that. It's been what almost two years well, now. Well, nobody's talking. Well, the yellow vests are Trump supporters, so it's okay. Oh right. No, <laughs> and nobody's also talking about. Nobody's talking about how coronavirus is affecting um, the poor folk, the indigenous folk, the black communities. Oh, oh, oh my God! I've seen pandemic because it supposedly affects white people. Well, yeah, because, again... Because it supposedly affects the rich. Yeah, I mean, no one's talking about indigenous people because they have less access to health care. And also, there are a lot of people in indigenous are, are asthmatic. They're more likely to be asthmatic. And with coronavirus, that's deadly. Like, no one said anything about that. These people, like, I, I think, think we the went biggest into the epidemiology of it uh, last episode and might actually be worth going over again this episode because, as it turns out, it gets to fucking re-roll. Yeah, it's just the reason why we're getting so worked up over this is it's just depressing. Well, it's a real trad. We all we all grew. I I grew up in this fucking world. I haven't known peace since what I was two years old. Not even. I recall being such a thing, but you know. I mean, when when oh yeah, how every how every president for the past what four or five presidents since Bush, every president since uh H since Bush Senior has basically been saying oh we'll get out of the Middle East oh we'll get out of the Middle East oh we'll get out of the Middle East, and we're still in the fucking I don't Middle think East. Trump even said we're gonna get out of the Middle East. I think he just planned to destroy it. I mean, yeah, no, no he he expli- hit one of his platforms when he was running in um, 2015 2016 was to to pull. To get boots off the ground in the middle, and that's East. one of the reasons like, he why was, he, he was exactly because everybody because all of the, all of these military people, personnel and people who have our military families are like yeah you know we're tired of being there we're tired of fighting this and you know what he did instead didn't try to start a war with fucking Iran I... on the ground as soon as he was in office yes! like, these like yes! because because whiplash he, he... fucking. Yeah. Because the ghouls and like the the like natsec like policy like rotating door are the same are the people that he they were like oh yeah uh, we need a person to fill this position and Trump's like sure I'll take it's, your advice a uh, random Republican dude and it'll be like uh, Mattis or like anyone else or, like Madden. these bloodthirsty yeah, psychopaths. He kept talking. He kept talking up a big fucking thing about, oh, well, I'm gonna drain the swamp. And then as soon as he gets into office, he starts appointing all these people that have been in fucking politics their entire goddamn lives, have been in corporations their entire goddamn lives, and have been working for the same fucking people since the fucking eighties. Like, and yeah, one well, of the people have already I, 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 failed us. We're not going to trust them as, you know, air quotes experts. You had your and chance. Like the, yeah, the Iron Triangle is considered to be like. Like, I mean, I learned about this in, like, my AP government class, and it was considered to just be a thing that is immutable, and it's like, oh, yeah, you have to just learn that uh, this is kind of what happens in government. 
it doesn't have to be like this. Like people, like people don't realize it doesn't have to be like this. Like, well, I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real for a second. Like what the... this is making people think that a it has to be like this, and two, it's always been like this. Yeah. Capitalist realism, baby. Yeah, baby. But um, Oceania has be real always for... been at war with East Asia. <sighs> yeah. Right. Well, Christianity has always been at war with Islam. Day Crusades. Well, ah, God, one of the biggest things was, like, I'm going to be real for a second. Like, I got, I lived in a military town growing up. I, I lived in Jacksonville. It's right next to Naval Station Mayport. So there's a lot of vets here. And, like, a lot of people got deployed to Iraq. And, like, that had a significant impact on my childhood because, like, I had friends who were like, yeah, I don't know if my dad's going to come back or if he's going to get his fucking leg blown off by, by uh, the Taliban. Or if, like, uh, you know, I had a kid who bullied me a lot in school because his dad came, his dad was a tank commander during the 03 invasion. He came back and he beat the shit out of his son and his son took it out on me. And I feel like I can't have a normal childhood because of that. And that's why I'm trying to, like, talk about these things because it's, it's personal to me. I, I, I know how these trickle-down effects work. It's not just... I mean, as bad as, like, it's not just, I can't even, like, fathom how bad it is for, like, Iraqi children and, and, and civilians. And Oh, they haven't, they, Iraqi children since, what, 19, the 1990s haven't seen a stable government. Like, there are people our age who haven't seen a stable government in their, in their country since they've been born. Yeah. Like, that's, that's that's insane to me because, like, as Americans, even though we basically live in a third, third world country wearing a Gucci belt, right? That's a good way to describe it. We, that's a good way to describe it. I, yeah, right? It's, it's, we take for granted so much, and we're seeing this currently in the pandemic. We take for granted so much the ability for the government to just take care of things that need to be taken care of. And we need to realize, especially now, especially now in a time of crisis, because we're not in even in like the wor- the worst part of what a crisis could be. Like this is this is nothing compared to what people in the Middle East have been uh, battling for se- for decades, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we are working pretty hard we... to make it as bad for ourselves as possible. Well, it, it's just hard because like even like the like the, the stupid trickle down effects of like the t- seemingly trivial trauma of getting bullied in middle school like well it's when I, that I, happens like, that that's, matters you know well that's that's that well the thing is is that it's trickled down i can't i'm mad like I, it fucked up my life i feel like i haven't had a childhood because i can't i you can't flinch whenever someone touches me half the time up, right? yeah I, and I, and the fact that it's trickled down and it's sort of been commodified or like fetishized where it's like I'm not even close to the actual trauma it, it... like I got a white friend who cannot possibly comprehend uh, who said to my face I can't imagine being that afraid of the police all the time I wouldn't go yeah. anywhere and I was like I don't fucking go anywhere uh, dude as 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 a white presenting person like I'm a Cuban like I my my ethnicity is Cuban I claim Cuban heritage as a white presenting Cuban, as a white presenting person, I am absolutely terrified when a cop pulls up behind me. Terrified. And I can't even imagine being a white presenting person how that would feel to be a minority 
when a cop pulls yeah, up behind fucking you. Horrifying. And I'll, I'll, I'll be real. I'll be real with like you, Gecko. You know. Yeah. I'll be real with you, Gecko. That's because you're a gusano and you're actually transporting ju- uh, guns and like M2 Browning's for Jimmy Hoffa. So, well, you know, <laughs> come on. I'm trying to add a bit of levity. We got some, we got real, real here. I'm like on the verge of crying. We're well, supposed right now. to be uh, real here at some point, you know. It's. Uh... Well, yeah. I, I think I think especially with the current pandemic, we're we're seeing. Like, and, I, and I've been talking about this with my local DSA. Oh my god, an anarchist joining a electoral politics. That's well, this, politic is, right this, there. Is, this is, uh, how dare you? Uh, electoralism is a spook. Uh, Max Stirner is going to take you as his property, and, uh, yeah. Well, didn't you, didn't you know voting is violence? <laughs> Who the fuck? If you vote for shit things, then yeah, voting is violent. Who the fuck is saying voting no, is violence? No, the... the, the the, the argument is that voting is violence because when you vote for something, you are enforcing your beliefs upon other people. Oh my god. I've only heard that. That is like such an. Yeah, that's like a, such a stupid yeah. ANCAP thing where it's like, actually, actual violence isn't violence, but like, uh, saying mean things to me or, um. Criticizing like, uh, my opinion at all. Or like, borrowing my toothbrush is violence because that's my property and my property is me. Okay, but it's a. King yeah. toothbrush. I mean, that goes in my mouth and shit. I don't want you borrowing <laughs> it. All right, all right. Shit. I don't even. I don't even let my daughter reuse my toothbrush. I don't know. All right. Let's. But, but, but let's be real. It. We we're we're getting away from our roots. Remember who made the toothbrush argument? Wait, there's a toothbrush. The specter argument? that ha- the specter that haunts this podcast. His name is John is Cena. Ba, ba, da, ba. Jesus Christ! But now. No, I do remember so Rasa making that argument. Seeing... That was funny, but anyway, one of the, one of the things that Rasa I've been made discussing the about with my local DSA is that we are seeing we are we are seeing the degradation of the neoliberal paradigm, and it's absolutely beautiful. I am like I absolutely, and I, I think I've said this on the last episode. I am absolutely ecstatic during this time, not because people are dying and people are getting sick, but because it is absolutely laying bare the 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 uh contradiction of capitalism and why capitalism just fails yeah in a very um what's his name machiavellian sense it is heightening the contradictions and it's beautiful yeah i don't know if i'd say that's machiavellian to heighten the contradictions well again it's it's, machiavellian to not heighten the contradictions no it's it is kind of machiavellian because like i said machiavelli is the prince can be a guide to resistance can show you because yes, by it, showing it, you what you want to avoid it can also show you what you want to highlight well it shows you the game the plan of like here. the elite and so therefore if you know that it's it's like sun tzu if you know your enemy and you know yourself you may not fear the result of a hundred battles it, yeah it's You're, exactly you that know your, yeah so by reading uh the prince you you know prepare yourself potentially I mean, you become machiavelli machiavelli just inhabits you as a spiritual entity well, every time reading you the, read prince the prince is potentially if you do it right it's uh like vaccination against the, those tactics especially if it's read by sargon of cod see i missed don't you, don't you mean inoculate what? don't you mean inoculate like when we're unionizing oh yes i oh fuck well, see the, the problem is that the, walk... the system has actually evolved past that because nobody is immune to propaganda I want Machia- I want Machiavelli to come inside me. So I think each and every one of us needs to get a, uh, a set. The uh, you know, you're not immune to propaganda set. 
there's actually among the fury community and i i know a lot of leftists actually have this there's a there's a joke that there's a shirt that says that people wear that says you're not and the shorts say propaganda on the shorts say propaganda on the ass yeah (laughs) again it no matter who you are like what you look like if you i could i could probably write like a 10 essays about that outfit that is king shit oh it's a great Uh... meme it's never gonna fucking die and that's the also hey remember last year when we thought yeah no this shit's fucked i can't wait for 2019 to be over so we can get on a 2020 and you know maybe move on and do a little better man if i was an accelerationist i'd be coming just like every day <laughs> it's just like every single are you arnold schwarzenegger for acceleration <laughs> i'm just like sitting here like holy shit like uh the democrat the the republicans are god it's it the thing that scares me the most i'm is surprised godzilla hasn't flattened tokyo yet yeah the, fa- the, the well, fact that, like, that. we don't have enough nuclear power I mean, for, God, for Godzilla. Speaking of real politics, the fact up. that the Republicans are considering doing, like, very left things in order to stop this crisis concerns me because then the Democrats were like, oh, we have to be against the Republicans. Yeah, no, this got and, like, really the, weird. No, really no, 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 no. Like, oh. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's very – it's actually – it actually makes a lot of sense because what Trump is doing is he's, he's – as, as dumb as he is, he's not, like, absolutely – idiotic right he understands that he needs to pander to those who are voting he knows how to woo a crowd right now the most popular politician in america is bernie sanders and it's not because of him it's because of his policies so trump thinks if i if i take those policies and if i take those if i take those policies and i apply them during a time of crisis everybody's going to see me as an amazing president well that's the biggest whether or not so whether or not they remain afterwards it's, like, it's all oh, yeah. it should but be they don't care. but people don't it care that, in my workplace in my workplace where we actually have this joke about the stimulus package being trump yeah, bucks it's, yeah no yeah. it's called trump bucks everywhere well that was yeah. that was it's, the same thing not, with like I'm yang just and meat bucks. For my tanky check but I think the biggest thing is just that Trump is a little bit more politically he's polit- he's an oaf when it comes to most things, but he knows how to woo a crowd. And when that comes to politics, it's very useful. If you've ever seen any of his tweets on Bernie Sanders, it's always either you know the only criticism of him is that he's crazy. It's crazy Bernie. Uh, yeah, but he's only cra- he's only crazy because he wants to be a socialist. Yeah, but whenever Bernie criticizes Biden. Trump gets right behind that and says Bernie's right, and yeah, because and, and he Trump, knows behind... he knows the way the winds are blowing. He's he's a Wait, decent Trump populist. Like he... <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, so, so Trump, you know, like if you actually look back, if you actually look that's back like twenty. That's like some, that's like some fucking that meme. So that's twenty eighteen, twenty ten. That that fucking meme aged like milk. <laughs> I just found out that <laughs> subreddit exists today, and I'm very pleased. Okay, but no, so if you look back to all the way to 2015, you actually see Trump standing behind uh, Bernie in during going against Hillary because he saw that the DNC was going to force Hillary, no matter what yeah. Bernie did, no matter what the people wanted, and he he used that as leverage to pull over those disaffected people who were going to vote for Bernie, but you know weren't exactly against Trump. 
because they because those pe- because people who voted for Trump that you that used to that would have voted for Bernie, their pol- their politics were purely economic. I mean, I'll- they they weren't they weren't based on race. They weren't based on gender. They weren't based on sex. They were or sexuality. They were based also, on class. Yeah. And Trump, as a populist, was able to see that and able to say, yes, I understand that even though, side note, even though Trump actually goes against every single one of these policies that he proposed in during, up to this point, he saw that as a way to pull in the people that were disaffected and say, you know what, I'm going to fight for you. Exactly. I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to put Hillary in jail. I'm going to pull the troops out of the Look at all the debates. The he, he actually mentions a lot of the time, he mentions um, Hillary and the DNC's shenanigans against Bernie. And she ta- he, mm-hmm. he talks about that. He makes that a mainstay. And he's a It's very, like his mitochondria. In that sense, where it's campaign. like... Yeah. Well, and, uh, and also tying that back into the book, into Manufacturing Consent. This is also the media saying, oh, well, no, Trump's bad, Trump's bad, Trump's bad. But it, but underlying that, they're giving him all of, the, all of the popularity. They're making people look at him, and people people who typically are disaffected aren't going to listen to the negative. They're going to find the positive in the negative. They're going to use that negative as a means to be, like, oh, no, I should probably vote for him because you guys fucked me over in in the in the primary because you stood behind hillary so when you say this guy's bad oh well he's actually good and the media fucking knows that they generated consent for honestly whether or not they say that they're democrats and honestly people saying that hillary could have handled this this crisis better i think hillary would have got i Honestly, by the virtue one thing of that not tr- being the Trump. one decent thing Trump's done is he didn't go to war in the Middle East. Okay, like I think that I think Hillary would have gone to war in Iran and Honestly, had the coronavirus Trump hit after that, one... it would have been genocide for both uh, both Iran and us. I don't, I don't see how Hillary's presidency would be better. It's ho- like the Trump is a Trump fascist a like oaf, but I he managed don't to make know. even that the wrong move. I mean, he genuinely. Yeah, well, he's he's an he's an idiot, and I'm very. Like, I, he I remember to fuck after up using the Defense Production Act, which is, you know, I was like, "There's no way he can fuck <laughs> this up," and I I've been saying really, that a lot lately. Defense... God damn it! I'm, I... All you have to do for the DPA is basically find the find all of the uniform companies, find all of these all these manufacturing plants, and just be like, make ventilators, make masks, make. Instead, PPE. he only used it. it to. Stop 3M from sending anything to fucking Canada or Kentucky? anywhere, mm-hmm. which is extra fucked. Because guess where the goddamn oh, pulp to make the masks comes from? And let's let's also not mention the fact that the media is totally ignoring the fact that China is sending us PPE. Well, but we can't accept it because we're at a trade word with them. Well, don't you know that uh, China eats bat soup, so therefore it's okay. You know, we should just make another or, or, or Chinese exclusion act. Okay, so it's here's fine. the big we... part about that. Gonna go right back to Spanish flu and at length. All right, all right. Okay, so for one, oh, it's that's H1N1. Actually, that's a big manufacturing consent thing. Um, for two, people called it Spanish flu because it what, was... Spanish flu? Yeah, it turned out to actually be H1N1. How about that shit, right? <laughs> well, actually, it turned, out to be from, it turned out to be from Kansas, but you're correct. Like, like uh, in the, in, Actually, like, that's the point I was about to come around to, is they called it Spanish flu all this time because it was fucking discovered there, and it turned out to actually originate in 
fucking Kansas. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't even discovered. It was because it was because the U.S. Sorry. and because the U.K. because the U.S. and the U.K. were in a crackdown in what is being produced in the media because of some. It was it was wartime, World War One. But Spain wasn't in the war. So they didn't have that kind of crackdown on the media. So they were the first to report it. And I'm yeah, actually very, I, mean I would actually not, I would be very it. convinced. Like, this is the first place it was widely yeah. reported. As far as the, you know, in terms of the public eye, that is discovery. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if this, this quote-unquote COVID actually originated in the yeah, U.S. as well. Because and, I remember... I don't know if you guys had this issue, but I remember back in December, January, I had all those symptoms back before. I, I had friends who got te- who had flu-like symptoms. They got tested for the flu and they tested negative. Yeah, but see, here's why yeah. it didn't work so well here. If it came from here, actually, it sounded pretty fucking lightly. But um, we would not have had I the mean, population density to spread it around initially. But if that thing hopped a thought, if that thing hopped a flight to Hong Kong during a protest. I mean, right. if it had landed in France, we would have called it the so France virus. Well, I, think, I, I, well I, I also want to say one thing about the Spanish flu, um, about the naming nomenclature. Um, the biggest thing is, like, we just got out of a war with Spain. Like, Spain was a pretty big enemy after the Spanish-American War because they blew up the main, remember? And that, all that yellow journalism. Talk about manufacturing consent. Holy shit, yellow journalism is manufacturing consent. Before mm-hmm. even Noam Chomsky or um, I got the I keep I keep feeling bad because I'm forgetting Her- this other guys Herman 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 yeah Herman. I feel bad I, I I feel bad for not from remembering his name because he's so not bad. as famous he deserves it he's her I, look critical support for uh, Edward S Herman okay critical support yes but I mean that's that I mean that was that I I don't think that played I think that played a non-zero issue in the fact that in 1919 you know when the spanish and when we were like what was it 19 was it 1918 it was 1918, 1918 right? 1918 yeah yeah 1918 when it was first reported. thank you Kirk. Th- th- uh, thank you Gecko. yeah both of you and yeah, yeah. do you watch the extra um, credits thing too because that thing was fucking fascinating like riveting i i haven't watched yeah. the extra credits thing i i will say um well i i do have some criticisms of extra credits uh but that's a whole other thing. Their extra history series is on. I prefer, they, I prefer Kurzgesagt, that, but that's because they, you know, release two videos about how they do things. Kurzgesagt. The only thing I've I've had an issue with Kurzgesagt is that because they're funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Speaking of manufacturing consent, um, <laughs> also it should actually be pointed out at this point that when we're referring to manufacturing consent, like throughout all the context that we've been using it has not been manufacturing consent on the part of the citizenry but rather the state manufacturing the media's consent well it it is or, it or is the, the manufacturing consent on on behalf of the state so they can continue it is the intertwinement of the state and the media and that is really what man, manufacturing consent is all about yeah the I mean, media when i talk about the media is in a kind of catch 22 when it comes to you know having any integrity because well, the, the media will, will always say that. you need to look at your sources. You need to look at all this stuff. This stuff isn't on you specifically. Not all of us have access to JSTOR a thousand percent of the time. They can read through very, very dry articles, or can even understand half these articles. But the media should break that down for you. 
It's their well, fault. Well, they're at risk if they, they do they so. That's, that's kind of the bottom. They, they, they specifically yeah. don't for the working class because they know it, be, it would affect their bottom line. Because if they said, hey, guess what? Corporations are producing more if you have... Even if you tried to um, does get curb your own like carbon chapter. footprint, getting a little bit, yeah. We can like, we talk about. I, I know I've like read well, ahead of it because I totally misread everything everyone was saying. I, but like we are jumping. I don't know. Should we jump ahead or not? No, no, Kira, Kira well, no, because fine. because the intro, because luckily the intro actually covers a lot of what happens in chapters one through three, and this is why it's kind of a teaser for a lot of the stuff, but. What, one of the big things that I also want to point out is that we, in the, in manufacturing consent, we lose our agency mm-hmm. as citizens, especially when they're done on the on behalf of uh, private corporations. Because one of the biggest things that if you, if you notice, if we ever if you ever have an article that says anonymous source, a they're not going to give that anonymous source because that will that could uh, that kill will the anonymous put source. that anonymous source. Not only that, but they could also lose viability mm-hmm. for that anonymous source because that "quote unquote" anonymous source doesn't want to go to them anymore. This is this is the same thing watch, with a whistleblower for Ukraine. Yeah, watch the fucking newsroom, even though it's a fucking new liberal <laughs> shill. Honestly, Don't tell me about newsroom. News I'm gonna have flashbacks. I grew up with my mom day. watching West Wing. Holy shit! The TV people. I mean, I still catch the View every morning. Or and that's B, all I know. Nobody said a fucking word about rent strikes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or B, they put out, they put out the name of this anonymous source, and then the anonymous source comes out and goes, "Yeah, no, actually, I didn't say that. They're lying," and then they lose credibility. So either way, it's you're right, Kira. It's a catch twenty two with the with the media. They either lie for the state, or tell the truth and be called a liar because the state is making is manufacturing. Like the thing. It's Honestly, basically, the loss of agency is what really trickles down. Like the me- news media has no fucking agency and by extension neither do we exactly i mean that's exactly the thing the muse media is not they're just the the messenger don't shoot the messenger and i think the biggest thing almost like i think we need to wrap up here in a minute but yeah we're starting to get we're starting to get a little hey we've had a good conversation i'm i'm feeling good but well, it's been it's been mostly the three of us were yeah, I think about how fucked up the media is. Well, I mean, well, I mean, Zulakath has always been kind of a quiet dude. If that's a, I mean, if that's his thing, that's his jam. Is if that's still okay, Zuli. Yeah, I'm here. Someone poke him yeah, with yeah, a stick. Yeah. Make sure he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I I do I do want to address this. I mean, uh, Zuli, do you feel like we're monopolizing the conversation, or do you just uh, feel like listening a little bit more? Uh, honestly, half the time you guys are getting chopped because of my internet, so. Uh, uh, theory, that would do it. I'm catching a little bit of the same thing, like always at Fair the end enough, of the sentences. Right, you know? So we got Well, I mean that's we 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 need to. I mean that's we, a fair thing. I think out. like um, hey, can we do with... the outro before we do uh, tech talk? So tech just talk? so yeah, yeah we're we're talking about technical difficulties, and we want someone to be able to you know edit that out. For Kane. We get, yeah, we so get, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna cut off the tech drive. So we're gonna cut because you're fucking cutting here, Stop! Don't tell me what to so, do. I'm the editor. <laughs> so coming back to manufacturing consent, even though since that was just cut, all, all you will hear is us talking about manufacturing consent and returning to manufacturing. So it wasn't cut, Praxis. Um, Jesus Christ, God! I fucking hate you. Anyways, base boost that um, whole section though. We, <laughs> this boosts everything. 
So we, we, we one of these days we need to go to a, a fur con and actually do this shit live. I would. Love oh, to do that. that would be so oh, Jesus great. Christ, no, that would be a really great way to get no. con crowd. That, that would be great. Like we go to we no. go to like furry weekend Atlanta no, after like the coronavirus kills everyone. Furry migration. No, we gotta we gotta go to Dragon no, that's Con. That's too far. I'm okay. Furry migration. I'm okay is like with right here. That's why we want to do it. I'm here. okay with Dragon Con. I actually had I, Dragon Con's not even a furry convention, what? is it? No. Yeah, no, it's, it's a like a fantasy convention. convention. Yeah, that was the. Butcher hey, man, look, 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 look! Critical support for Trekkies. Let's be real; they they need it in this dark time. Honestly, times oh my god! Okay, so a, quick review of Star Trek honest, Picard. To... Watch it up to episode six, and Riker is best dad. Do not fucking watch further unless you, you know, want to see Star Trek argue for racism. If you hooked up a generator, <laughs> yeah. Gene Roddenberry, <laughs> right now, you could power a I'm... starship off of how fast he's spinning in his fucking <laughs> I... grave. <laughs> I, I I I I miss the next generation. I've only if you've ever watched actually, um, Praxis, Red Letter Media's reviews of Star Trek Picard is really good because they understand that Star Trek is about like a post um currency like post scarcity. Well, that's the thing is uh, the first six episodes really do seem like they're calling out a lot of Star the Star Trek universe's contradictions. Yeah, fair. Talk about manufacturing consent. That's going to end our discussion for manufacturing consent for now. Uh, we had a bit of a technical difficulty there at the end, so some of it got cut off. I was trying to save as much as I could, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't uh, get all of it. But last assured, we just talked about, uh, to give you the, the high and low, we just talked more about Star Trek and uh, not much more about manufacturing consent. So uh, we'll see you guys next time, and thank you all for watching. As Vita said, I would also like to thank. I would also like to thank to all of our patrons, uh, including our singular current patron, uh, as of this recording, Esipus. Thank you so much for your monthly donations. Even though we went what uh, two months <coughs> without uh, posting any episodes, thank you so much, and you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you.